This morning's scripture reading comes from Psalm 36. Please follow along in your Bibles or behind me on the screen. This is the word of the Lord. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Guys, I experienced the kindness of the Lord this morning. I have to share it with you. So I was getting ready to, to come here with my wife and little Archie, and uh, she had gotten him dressed and ready, and I was to get him into the car seat. You can decide which is the more difficult task. Um, but this morning, as I was taking Archie out into the garage, and I was about to put him in the car seat, I put my iPad, which I preach from, on the top of the hood of our car, and you know where this is going? So we leave. I forgot to bring it into the car. And we get an alert on my phone. Uh, I'm really thankful for t technology. I don't understand technology, but I, I'm thankful for it. Because my, my phone tells me your, your device is not near you right now. And I'm going, yes, it is. I'm looking at it right now. This is my device. And I was like, oh, I have another device. And it actually gave me the proximity, this radius of where my iPad was in the middle of 380. Yeah, on the cross streets of 380 in Lake Forest. And so it had slid off the car as we were making a left. And I'm not kidding, it is right. I mean, it's not like, it's not in the white lines. It's in where the tire belongs on the road. So, uh, so we, we, you know, my helper, she takes the device and she goes, let's track this thing down. And I, you know, put the car in drive and we leave here to go and retrieve the shattered iPad, obviously, obviously, not obviously. We pull up in the intersection. I hit the, uh, the little, you know, blinker button and I get out of the car safely. Uh, my wife reminded me to do it safely all the way there. And so I get out of the car and I see my, my iPad and it's like this. This is all I can see because the glass portion of the iPad's on the ground. And it's opened up like this and I, I walk over to what surely is destroyed and it is perfectly good, perfectly fine. Praise God. The kindness of God. Yeah. I mean, to not tell you that story would, would really 
be to leave out a very important illustration as we get into a text that is emphasizing that kindness is seen. See, I didn't know that God was going to be kind to me in keeping my iPad intact until I lifted it over and I, and I looked and I said, oh my gosh, no scratches, we're in business. And so that was a, that was a grace of God. Um, I think that there are many days of our life where we're just blind to all the ways in which God is so kind to us. And uh, this morning is a great opportunity for all of us to count our blessings, to consider how kind he truly is to us and has been to us and continually is to us. We see in this passage this morning, if you turn to Ruth, chapter 2, that's where we're going to be. We're continuing in Ruth, chapter 2, verse 14 through 23, what we see is the, the word kindness. It's the Hebrew word hesed. It's used in our text this morning, and it's all over the place. We see kindness on display. And what this word means is steadfast love. So I've entitled the sermon, Kindness That Is Seen. Look with me, and let's see it together. Luke, uh, Ruth 2, 14 through 23. It says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here. And eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, I want you to look at verse 14, because the first thing that we see, the first kindness in verse 14 is this. Kindness is seen in showing hospitality. 
Kindness is seen in showing hospitality. It says that at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. Now to jog your memory from last week, last week we looked at the first encounter of Boaz and Ruth in the field of favor, in Boaz's field. And he showed her unmerited favor there. He encouraged her to glean in the field. He spoke kindly to her. But now he's extending the kindness into even greater kindness. It's mealtime. It's about midday. And Boaz says, come here. Have a meal with me and my workers. He shows her hospitality. And I think we need to look at and consider the significance of the hospitality that Boaz specifically is showing Ruth. It's not just any kind of hospitality. It's extreme hospitality. It's radical hospitality. He is inviting an outsider to come inside. He is inviting a Moabite woman to come and dine with Israelite men. And most of the Israelites, as you've heard as we've gone through this book together, the Israelites despised the Moabites for the bad history that they had, the tension in the relationships over time. And so this kindness, this hospitality, it goes beyond just the gleaning laws that Moses provided. It is lavish love here, not just lawful love. Boaz is not just inviting a Moabite who's an outsider to come inside. He is even inviting a person who is not of his socioeconomic class, this widow who's a poor peasant scavenger to come and dine with him, a landowner. I can't help but think of Jesus when I read this, and specifically the time when Jesus invited Zacchaeus to come down out of that tree so that he could dine with him that day, so that he could go to his house. And I can't help but think of the people that grumbled likely like Boaz's hired hands. They grumbled at Jesus because Jesus was inviting a sinner, a tax collector, an outsider who defrauded people of their money. Jesus was inviting and showing hospitality to that man in Zacchaeus' house. So I think a question we have to ask ourselves is this. Who in your life would least expect this kind of invitation from you? This kind of hospitality, this kind of kindness. It's a good opportunity, just looking in this text, to consider that there are those people in your life and mine that to get a text saying, hey, I'd love to have dinner with you tonight at my house. And What's your favorite meal? What a kindness, what a grace. What's interesting is in the context of Jesus and Zacchaeus, that little passage concludes in Luke 19.10, and after everyone's grumbling, Jesus, who is unashamed to be with Zacchaeus, says this, the Son of Man came to seek and save 
the lost. He came to show hospitality to those who were outsiders. We should do the same. I want you to see the satisfaction of this hospitality. He said, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. She had a to-go box to go home with. It's just beautiful. She's given bread, she's given wine, she's given roasted grain that were prepared not by her hands, but by theirs. They're cooking for her, she's eating. She's not eating the fragments that fell from their plates. She's eating their feast that they prepared, and it's satisfying her stomach, and she has leftovers, and she's full. This is quality hospitality. And I can't read this without thinking about Jesus Christ. He fed the 5,000. It's recorded in Matthew 14, verse 20, that they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces that were left over. There's no way to perfectly illustrate the generosity and the hospitality that Boaz is showing this woman, but let me try to contextualize it for you Texans, all right? I know it was a tough season, but it would be like if Jerry Jones were to take a homeless man from the streets, a man who grew up in Dallas but has never been able to go to a Cowboys game, never been able to experience what it's like inside that stadium, man who doesn't have money, doesn't have a ticket, no one takes notice of him. And it would be like Jerry going out and, and bringing him in and saying, hey, I, I want you to come into the box seats with me tonight. And then he doesn't stop there, he actually continues and he says, I, I want you to enjoy this endless buffet of food, eat as much as you can, there's to-go boxes over here. He gives him a jersey, he gives him a hat, he says, eat to your heart's content. And by the way, here's your season pass. Stay as long as you'd like. That's what Boaz is essentially doing here all season long. With the grain and the barley, you're welcome here. Eat to your heart's content. We should seek to show this kind of hospitality to one another and to our lost neighbors. It is evangelistic. It is Christian. And I want to say this. I have been shown so much hospitality through you, this church, since my wife and I got here in August. It has just been tremendously encouraging to our souls. We've tried to have as many people as we can in our home, but you have also had us in your homes. We just love you. I love you. I love you. I'm so grateful to be your pastor, and, and I'm so grateful that we get to eat meals together, and every Sunday we take the Lord's Supper together grateful for it. The kindness that Boaz shows Ruth, it goes beyond this meal. Look at verse 15 through 17. We see the kindness that Boaz shows Ruth in both provision and in protection. It says, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves And do not reproach her. 
and also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. This is very interesting. The beginning of verse 15 is really interesting to me. It says, when she rose to glean. What is this saying? It's saying that after she had been there from early morning to midday and now she had been collecting things as she's gleaning and now she has filled her stomach to the full brim and she has leftovers, Ruth goes back into the harvest. I mean, I'm going home at that point. I'm I'm going, I think that's been a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Boaz. But she goes back into the fields where her host has warmly welcomed her and assured her she's welcome to continue to come back. This is not Ruth taking advantage of grace. This is Ruth embracing grace. We can learn something from Ruth here. Are you joyfully living out of the grace and the kindness and the full-fledged forgiveness that God has extended to you in Jesus Christ? Or does your heart constantly live in this state of unbelief that your chains are gone, that you've been set free, that God, your Savior, has ransomed thee? The reality is there's so many times as believers where there's this remnant of unbelief in our heart that is it full favor or must I this morning rise early and earn God's kindness and love and grace? The reality is our our debt has been paid. It's been paid in full by the cross of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And so I think some of us today very practically just need to remember that. And embrace it and smile and worship him from the fullness of his favor in his son. Boaz showed kindness in both ample provision and protection. It's very interesting. He he immediately instructs the young men and he gives them two positive commands and two negative commands. And so I want to look at the two positive commands first because they're related to the commands for provision for Ruth. And then we'll look at the two negative commands which are related to the protection for Ruth. Look at the the positive commands. He says, let her glean even among the sheaves. This is not helpful if you don't know what a sheaves are, right? If you don't know what that is, then it's like, okay, okay. Um, and so let me, let me tell you, Google helped me. Sheaves are bundles of grain stalks that are laid lengthwise and they're tied together after the reaping. The reaping is when they cut down the harvest, right? And so there's these bundles. Those are sheaves. And the field workers, they would bring these sheaves and the bundles into a room where they would be threshed 
They were laid on the threshing floor. Well, what does it mean to thresh? This is what they would do. They laid out all the sheaves, and they would bring in oxen and cattle, and the oxen and cattle would stomp all over these sheaves, and that would break up the grain. It would remove the the wheat and the barley from the sheaves. That's called working smarter, not harder. The second command that Boaz gave the hired hands is very similar. He says, and also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean. This is awesome. He is literally saying, take some of what you've reaped and cut down and bundled and all your hard work and throw it on the ground for her to pick up. Now, I'm going to remind you of what I told you last week, that if by accident a bundle was to fall on the ground, then that's free game for the gleaners in the field, for scavengers. But Boaz is saying, we're going to go beyond an accidental drop. You're going to drop it intentionally so that she, it can be at her feet and she can pick it up for herself. Beautiful provision, grace, kindness. Now let's look at the negative commands, which relate to protection for Ruth. He says, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And that word reproach, for clarity of terms, it's haklim in Hebrew. It means to taunt or embarrass. In other words, they're not to shame her for gleaning. The second negative command he gives is this in verse 16. It says, pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So don't reproach her, but also don't rebuke her. Similar but different, they come together to protect her. What does it mean to rebuke her here? It's not just to tell her, stop it, or don't pick that up. It is actually to prevent them from insulting her. It's an insulting rebuke. That's what this is. And so how is Boaz protecting her? Well, we saw last week that he was protecting her physically from any potential physical assault that she could experience in the fields. Physically, he's protecting her, but here we're seeing that he's emotionally protecting her. He's guarding her heart by telling the men, don't you ever think about verbally abusing her or berating her or shaming her for gleaning. This is beautiful. This is kindness. Kindness was seen in the amount of provision that Ruth was able able to attain that day. Look at verse 17. It says, So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Well, what's an ephah? That's not a term that we use. That's not a measuring term, right, today. So an ephah, it would be equivalent to about 28 to 50 pounds. So imagine Ruth carrying at the end of that day, in the evening, a massive bag of dog food 
worth of grain. This is a tremendous generosity and provision. This was equivalent, an ephah, it was equivalent to about what the average worker would get in a week. And this was in one day. And I think it's important to remember that this, it goes beyond, I mean, yes, Ruth, Ruth has a solid work ethic, but it goes beyond that. It, it, it speaks to the kindness of Boaz and the ample provision and protection. So, Boaz has shown her kindness and hospitality. He's shown her kindness and provision. He's shown her kindness and protection. But now we see that his kindness does not dead end on Ruth. We see that kindness multiplies itself and it's extended through Ruth to Naomi. Look at verse 18. This is point three. Kindness is seen in extending generosity. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And so what do we see here? Ruth is not hoarding what she accumulated. She's not hiding the kindness that was shown to her. She's laying it all out on the table for others. Namely, Naomi. It would have been very tempting for me to store a little stash for myself, right? I mean, how many times have we got a box of leftovers and what's the first thing you do? You write your initials on the top of that box and you go, hey, just so we're all clear, I know we went and had a meal together, but this is mine, okay? And she, she doesn't do that. She opens up the box and says, this is exactly how much is left. I want you to see it all. What's mine is yours. Grace never dead ends. Not when it's truly received. Kindness begets kindness. Steadfast love begets steadfast love. Generosity begets generosity. Look at verse 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the, name, the, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. What we see here in verse 19 is that Naomi, she saw it. She saw the kindness and she is personally impacted by kindness that was shown to someone else. And that is now impacting her. And before Naomi even knew the name of the man who was showing the kindness to her daughter-in-law, Naomi blesses him. May the Lord bless him. May he be blessed. But then the moment that Naomi finds out the name of the man, the man's name is Boaz, which again, I told you last week, not a common name. Probably shouldn't be a common name, right? I mean, it's an option, but there's other names. The moment she hears the names Boaz, her eyes are further opened 
That this is not some random act of kindness from some random stranger in some random field that she happened to walk in. This was the kindness of God extended through Boaz to Ruth to Naomi. She's going, whoa! And she blesses him again with this new information. She says, verse 20, May he be blessed by Yahweh, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now this is where things are about to transition and get a little comical, okay? Um, but before we, we transition into the laughter portion, I want you to see that this is the turning point in this book. Highlight it, Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. This is a huge moment in this book because Naomi speaks the most positive words to this point. This is a woman who earlier, because of all the tragedies and the trials and the loss that she experienced, began to doubt the goodness of God, began to doubt the character of God, began to say, don't call me Naomi anymore, that means pleasant, call me Mara for I'm bitter. And she is now blessing this man whom God used, and she is acknowledging that it is not Boaz's kindness towards them, it is Yahweh's kindness towards them. She even highlights the fact that the man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. And so what she's saying is the first blessing was a yay, grain is good. The second blessing is woe, there's something better than grain. It's a kinsman redeemer. Grain can fill your belly for a time, maybe even for a season. But a relative who is a redeemer can buy back your land that you lost during the famine. We see this in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23 through 28. Grain is a blessing. It can keep you alive for a time. It's common grace. But a redeemer could marry Ruth. A redeemer could provide new life, a child, offspring to perpetuate the name of the dead, Malon, Ruth's former husband. And so Naomi can see the bigger picture of God working behind the scenes. And what we need to keep in mind here, if I haven't made it clear enough, is that Boaz is not the hero in the book of Ruth. Boaz is an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer, Yahweh, God, who sovereignly reigns in the heavens and is providentially in control of every detail in life, and he's moving all things towards a cosmic redemption. Boaz is a gift. Yahweh is the gift giver, and that's much better. In all of Naomi's suffering, in all of her loss, she had begun to question the unchanging character of God, the kindness of God. 
She even felt like she was being treated as an enemy of God. And that can happen for any one of us in our flesh. Faith is trusting in who God is, in who God says he is, and in what God says in his word, even when we can't seem to see the kindness of God in the present situation that we are in. And God uses trials not only in Ruth and Naomi's lives, but in our lives in this lifetime today. And those trials, they they test our faith. That's what James says. They test our faith not to reveal how strong our faith is or how big and grand our faith is, but to reveal that there's still remnants of unbelief in our heart, isn't there? There's still faithlessness in us, but it also reveals that there is faithfulness in God towards us in Christ. And so it causes us to worship in humility. That's what God's doing to you in your trials today. He's revealing he's faithful. You can trust him. He does not change. The last thing I want you to see this morning, point four, is that kindness is seen in gentle correction as well. Look at verse 21 through 23. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young, young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Now, friends, this is the comical piece, in my opinion. Ruth didn't clearly understand some of the customs of the Israelites. I don't know if she had gotten to Leviticus 25 in her Bible reading plan. And so she... She just continues on sharing about the details of her day after Naomi says something quite significant, that this man is a relative, he's one of our redeemers. She just carries on. And and I think in part, I don't want to read into this too much, but I mean, have you ever had a moment where you're sharing with someone else the details of your day and then they cut you off and then you just kind of hold your tongue and then once they're done sharing something, you go, anyways, uh... And continue on with the details of your day. That's never happened to you, right? Never happens to us. She says, thanks, Naomi. Uh, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. She's finishing her, her day. But she's not entirely accurate, is she? That's not what Boaz said. Close, but... That's not what he said. What Boaz said is in verse 8. He said, keep close to my young women, not my young men. And if you recall, that was for her own good. That was for Ruth's protection from any type of physical assault in the fields. This was the days when the judges ruled. 
Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. It was a wicked time. It was a lawless time. It was an evil time. And even professing believers may not be possessing believers, and they could commit a heinous crime like this in the hidden grain stalks of the field. So it's interesting because was this just a mistake? Was this a, did, did Ruth just misspeak? Did she mean to stay close to the women or did she mean stay close to the men? We don't know. You can speculate Give her the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, this is probably just an honest mistake. I mean, we've done this, right? There's also the chance that she was maybe thinking, I I got a better chance of getting remarried if I hang out with the men in the field instead of the women in the field. We don't know. So let's give her the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't say. But what it does say, and what we can't miss here, is the kindness that Naomi showed to Ruth through correction. It was gentle, but it was direct. Look at verse 22. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. It is very important that we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, faithfully correct one another when it is appropriate and in an appropriate way. When we see a brother or sister in Christ veering off a path that leads to life. It's very important. One of my biggest prayers for us as a church is that we would be an encouraging church. That we would be so full of encouragement that when we correct one another and when we point something out in gentleness and in humility, that people are more willing to embrace it as faithful correction and kindness towards us because we are encouraging one another so frequently. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It is better to experience a wound from a friend, to be gently corrected, to be rebuked, than it is to experience flattery from an enemy, to make you feel good about yourself, that there's no need for any repentance in you. You've arrived. None of us have. James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says this, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, which is a real temptation, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Meaning, you can keep that wandering soul from sinning in a multitude of ways, in a multiplied way, that if you would just correct them in a moment, gently and in humility. That's what Naomi does here. She says, keep close to the young women of Boaz. And what's beautiful is that we even see how Ruth responds to this gentle correction, this kindness. She accepts it as what it is. It's true. It's right. 
It's wise. Verse 23 says, so she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So not only does Ruth obey Naomi, she obeys Boaz as well in staying close to the young women. She's also staying faithful to Naomi. She's gleaning in Boaz's fields, but she's sleeping under the roof, the same roof as Naomi. There's a tremendous amount of kindness that is seen here in this text. Boaz shows Ruth kindness in his hospitality, his provision, his protection. Ruth shows Naomi kindness by extending that kindness through generosity to her mother-in-law. And Naomi showed Ruth kindness by gently correcting her daughter-in-law, who was in danger of wandering into danger. And yet the ultimate kindness that is seen in this passage is in Yahweh, the sovereign Redeemer. Friends, God is hospitable towards us. Jesus invites us to come to him so that our souls can find rest, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can not just be redeemed, but restored when we go off path. He invites us to his table in the Lord's Supper, that we would commune with him, that we would be reminded of his continual, unmerited favor that he's extended to us, his kindness from the cross. Jesus has gone ahead of us to prepare a place in heaven for us. And when he comes and he draws us all to himself, we will be at the supper of the Lamb, the marriage feast, and we will eat at his table with him forever. God's not only hospitable towards us who once were outsiders needing to be brought in by his grace, but he is our provider. He is our protector. He has provided us and continually providing us with common grace, food on the table, clothes on our back, a roof over our head, even if it's the ceiling of a bridge outside. He's provided us with Christ, the Redeemer, our perfect representative in His life, our perfect substitute in His death. He has protected us in Christ, the Redeemer, who on that cross took on all of the wrath of God, the anger of God towards evil and sin was poured out on Christ, not us so that we could experience not one drop of his wrath, but the abundance of his mercy now and forever. Communion with him, relationship with him, reconciliation to him now and forever by putting our faith not in ourselves, but in the kindness of God. And those who've received that kindness can't help but extend that kindness 
to their family, to their friends, to their church member friends, and to the lost people who are outsiders, who are separated from God, and are in need of someone showing them kindness and explaining where it came from. Not them, but Him. God has been generous towards us. He gave us His only Son. And friends, there is nothing more for heaven now to give us. Was Jesus enough? Yes and amen. He's done it all. His love is lavished on us. Fourthly and finally, God gently corrects us. He gently corrects us as a good and loving father gently corrects his children. He disciplines those whom he loves. That's what the scripture says. He's given us the Holy Spirit of God who is grieved when we sin. And that is red alarms. That that is a light going off that's going, hey, something's wrong. Maybe you've gone off the path here. Turn back. He's good. He's kind. And it is his correction. It is his conviction not to destroy us, not to hurt us, but to heal us, to lead us into life, not death. And it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It is his kindness in correcting us and redirecting us for his glory and for our good. Let's pray. You are kind. You are kind, Father. We love you, and we we are so grateful for the kindness that you've shown us in more ways than we are aware of, in more ways than we will ever be aware of. We recognize, Ephesians even says, that for all eternity we will be marveling in the grace that you have shown us in Christ. Your word tells us that while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. You tell us that one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But you've also told us that none is good. There is no one righteous, no, not one, except the Lord Jesus And you have told us in your word that God shows people love. And that while we were still sinners, separated from you, outsiders and outcasts, Christ died for us. We pray that you would help the eyes of our heart to see your kindness displayed more clearly at the cross and that that would lead us to repentance and to true rest and rejoicing in Christ our King. Amen.